How can you know your decisions won't disappoint you? Making a decision that you hope won't end with disappointment is a tedious task. How can you ensure there is no future disappointment after you tick the box, after you take the plunge, after you do your due diligence, after you follow sound advice? After all of that, how can you keep it from leading you into hard times? You had an outcome in mind. That outcome was favorable. It, it aligned with these desires that you have, but it didn't happen. Should you have listened to those people? Should you have done more due diligence? How should you respond when life goes sideways after you take the advice of someone, after you do all you know to do to make the decision and it did not turn out the way you anticipated? Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. This is Life Over Coffee, and this is episode 364. The title of it is, How Can You Know Your Decisions Won't Disappoint You? If you want to, you can read the show notes. I have an outline here of what I'm about to share with you, and it will help to supplement this podcast. There's also embedded links as well. If you want, there is also a one-hour seminar that I have done on how to make a decision. It's a keynote presentation, how to make a decision about anything. It's 59 minutes, and it is free to you. All you have to do is click on the button, and, and you can watch it and benefit from it. So there's a lot of resources, is what I'm saying, inside of these show notes. And I do want to thank our financial partners. Uh, we do make a point to say that our resources are free. They're free to you. There's no cost whatsoever uh, to you. But the reason that happens is because there are people that believe in this ministry and, and they want to help people. And one of the ways that they can disciple people it's a way to think about it. One of the ways that they can disciple people is by supporting us, which allows us to reach more people with the practical message of Jesus Christ. Every week, uh, our resources land in the lap of thousands of people globally. And so it is a beautiful partnership that we have with our financial partners, and I do thank the Lord for them. And because of them, we also have uh, forums. We make our forums uh, we forum a forum available uh, to the folks who come here so that you can talk to us. We want to dialogue with you. We have a team of folks that will be glad to interact with you. And so if you want to talk about decision-making and maybe a specific decision that you have arrived at and the end point is not what you anticipated and you're uh, disappointed by it, and if you want to talk about that, then I would encourage you to come to our free forums. Uh, just get your username and password. That's all you have to do. It's, it's really simple. And then jump on there and, and let us uh, come alongside you. That would be our privilege. Now, if you have something else that you want to talk about, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. I want you to be free uh, to talk about what's important to you. If it's important to you, then it's important to us. And so please jump on our forums and take advantage of all of these resources, whether it's the forums, the webinar I mentioned, the article content we have, these podcasts, please enjoy them and, and share them broadly. Uh, that would also be important because you can partner with us that way. You can support our ministry by sharing our resources with others. Now, another way that you can support our ministry is by writing a review of this podcast, Life Over Coffee. And if you have not done that, then 
Will you do that? Write a review and give us a five-star rating. That will help us algorithmically, uh, organically, to be able to reach more people with the practical message of Christ. All right, so let's talk about episode 364. How can you know your decisions won't disappoint you? Now, I want to begin by giving you, sharing, giving an illustration of one of those lesser decisions that we make in life that did not turn out the way you anticipated, but you shrug it off and go. And that's the way most of our decisions are. I mean, I would probably more than 99% of all the decisions that we make, we can move on because the outcome, whether we got what we wanted or not, you know, is not that vital to us. It's not a hill to die on. Here's an illustration of that. I had Two friends, two Christian friends, recommended two books, one each, to me to read. And I decided to read those books based on their recommendations and based on the fact that they are believers and they love me. I love them. I love talking with them, gaining advice from them. And I just appreciate their lives and what God is doing in their lives. And so it's just a win-win. And they recommended two books for me to read. I got both of them and I couldn't finish them because they were so bad. I took the advice of my friends. I did my due diligence. I made the decision. I went forward, and I ended up in disappointment. Now, I say that they're so bad. That's my view. Obviously, it's not their view. And perhaps I'm the only person in the world who thinks those books are awful. Uh, you'll probably read them and think they were fantastic. But in my view, they were awful books. And so there was a, let's just say, a mild disappointment. Uh, in my life, of course, I can shrug it off and go. And that's the way most of our decisions to disappointment are. We make the decision, we're disappointed about the outcome, and we move on because it's not that big of a deal. And I know that you've had similar outcomes when people have recommended uh, maybe some of the more bigger decisions like doctors and mechanics or school choices or or even spouses. And as we move down those lines, then it does become a little bit more significant about the outcome. And we want the outcome to be the way we had preferred, because if they're not, those kinds of disappointments are harder to work through as opposed to the two books that I did not enjoy. But here's the hard truth that you have to wrestle with. All of us have to find a mysterious a comfort level in the mystery of this hard truth, and it is this, you cannot vet anything with all certainty. You can't, just can't. Think about what it would mean to understand a decision fully. You would have to be omniscient, meaning you would have to know everything. You'd have to have all knowledge. You'd have to have more information in your head than Wikipedia. You would have to know all past, all present, all future. And so there is a mystery there that we have to become comfortable with when we are making decisions. The best that you can do, in addition to taking advice and doing due diligence, is to head in the right general direction. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, for example, my Christian book illustration, I was heading in a good general direction. I mean, they were Christians, they knew me. I knew them. They love God. I love God. They recommended a Christ, to Christian books. That is a good general direction. The likelihood of being disappointed is slimmer heading in that general direction than, let's say, an unregenerate person recommended a, a book by people who did not love God. 
I mean, those books may be good, and I may benefit from those books, but the likelihood is much slimmer than heading in the other direction. And so in addition to doing due diligence and seeking sound advice, you want to make sure you're heading in the right general direction. Now, let's suppose that you're seeking out a mechanic. What would be the right general direction? Well, it would be someone who, uh, where you have received advice from reputable people. Uh, you had three or four people that are reputable, and they have good instincts, and they've had good experiences with a particular mechanic, and so you talk to them, and based on their recommendation, you move in a general direction where the likelihood of being disappointed by that mechanic is much slimmer than if, let's say, uh, those same four people gave you an awful reference on the mechanic and you still decided to go to the mechanic, the likelihood of being disappointed is extremely high. Now, talk about a spouse. If you decide or have your eye on marrying a Christian person, you're moving in a good general direction. Now, you can be disappointed, as many have been, by marrying a believer, but the likelihood is slimmer than it is uh, to marry someone who is not a believer. They are they do not love God. They are anti-Christ uh, in function, practice, and belief. And so if you're headed in the right general direction, you get sound advice, you do your due diligence, that's about as good as you can do under this idea of the hard truth. You cannot vet anything with all certainty. And so as you move in that general direction, you continue to adjust. We learn as we go. Let me give you an illustration of that. In 1985, I was thinking about going into the ministry. And my pastor at my independent Baptist church in North Carolina, where I'm from, recommended that I go to a fundamentalist Bible college in Greenville, South Carolina. I had never heard of Greenville, South Carolina. And I only live 135 miles from it. My pastor, I love then, love now. He died many years ago, but he was truly a good shepherd. I love being with him, love hanging out with him, love listening to him talk, taking his advice, submitting to him, hearing him preach, just being around him generally. We had good times together. We had many good laughs. And I just think the world of him and look forward to seeing him uh, in heaven. And so I, was, I did my due diligence. I took sound advice. I was moving in a good general direction toward a Christian institution. And so I did. And I went there for, for five years, actually, and picked up two uh, degrees. Would I, do I regret it? No, I don't regret going there at all. I really don't. Would I recommend it today? No, I don't recommend it and would not recommend it to anyone. I was moving in the general direction of Christian education. Where I was at that time was the right spot. I was doing the right thing, moving in the right direction, and I went to the right institution. And God used that to uh, continue to mature me and to continue to refine me. I was learning as I go. And again, I would not go back there would not recommend anybody go there. I have changed doctrinally. My theology has changed. Even the way that I practice my faith has changed 
probably dramatically depend on who's interpreting it uh, from what it was in those days, in my legalistic days with the Independent Baptist uh, Bible College. But again, I don't regret that. I, I did the right thing, moving in the right direction, working with the data that I had, and even, let me add, that God used that to push me farther down the road. Now, that is an aspect to decision-making that we all have to wrestle with. I'm talking about the sovereign aspect. You see, what happens many times is people do do their due diligence. They do launch out. They get to the destination, the end goal, the outcome of the decision, and they think, they act as though that is the end of it all. No, they're still in process. Whether that's a good outcome to your liking or a poor outcome to your disliking, that is not the end point. God is still working his plan in your life. And so even though my fundamentalist Bible college days was not an end point, and I thank God it's not an end point, I would not want to be stuck there today. But even though it was disappointing and there were so many things that happened that were really bad, God used those to propel me along in this great narrative that he is writing in my life. And so it is important for us to understand that even when we are sitting in a disappointing place after decisions that we have made, God is not done writing the script. For example, in 1 Kings 17, verses 5, 6, and 7, God told Elijah to go down to a creek, get himself some bread and some water. Well, he got there, and soon after that, the creek dried up. Imagine that. I did what I believe God wanted me to do, and so I set foot off heading in the direction that I believe that God wanted me to go. And then when I got to the destination of where God wanted me to go, the creek dried up. Now, many of you have had that experience, but my point is that's not the end point. You're still in process. In the same chapter in 1 Kings 17, I love Elijah, by the way, God asked him to go see a widow woman. And that's verses 7 through 16 in 1 Kings 17. <laughs> Upon arrival, you know the story. He met a woman and a child collecting sticks, gathering sticks, and they're ready to die. And you walk up on that scene, it's like, God, why did you, why did you tell me to come here? Why did you send me down to the creek? Another story in Genesis 6:19. The Lord told Noah to build a big boat. And so he did. He obeyed God and was mocked day and night like nobody's business. Imagine making a decision that you believe this is what God wants you to do, and you are mocked day and night like nobody's business. That wasn't the end of the story. We have another situation with a man named Jesus who came to earth to die on a cross. That is that is such a anti-positive message that he came to die on a cross. And he experienced so much disappointment, but he came to do the will of God, and that was not the end of the story. The dying on the cross was not the end of the story. The stories of the sovereign Lord directing what appears to be futile missions are legend. 
And so it reminds me of the verse. I love this verse. It's probably one that you want to highlight if you haven't already. It's 16.9 of Proverbs, and it goes like this. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Do you see the interplay between the primary cause and secondary cause? The primary cause is God. Sovereign Lord is establishing our steps, but we're not robotic. We have an interplay. We have a relationship with Sovereign Lord. And so Elijah does due diligence. He follows the advice. He launches out in faith. He does his part. But when he gets to the creek or gets to the widow's house, it's like, you got to be kidding me. No, he walks in faith because God is establishing his steps. And the same for Noah and the same for Christ. Another passage of Scripture that helps in this matter is what James was talking to us about in James 4. One of the verses in this paragraph is verse 14. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And then he goes into what is your life, or you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's all of verse 14. But the first part of it, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And that is so true. And so we make our plans. God orders our steps. We recognize that we cannot vet anything with all certainty. That is the hard truth. But the blessed truth is God is establishing our steps. And so we trust others. We trust their opinions. We seek their advice. But we hold their perspectives loosely. Their perspectives are not canon. And we make those decisions on that data, again, holding it loosely. And even the decisions that we make, we have enough self-suspicion to know that we are not omniscient, to know that God is working. And so even the decisions we make, whether it's the advice we follow from others or the decisions that we make, we hold all of that loosely because there is an interplay between decision-making and sovereign outcomes. Now, we don't operate by fear. We operate by trust. In fact, it is because of the sovereign outcomes that we can trust God, even though we're slightly suspicious of ourselves, and we hold other people's perspectives loosely. Even so, we step out in faith because we're operating under Him who establishes our steps. You see, the temptation for us is to know how the decisions will end before we even make them. And so we have a self-prescribed outcome in mind. There's the goal. I see it out there. And so we look at it and we make our decisions based on what we anticipate is going to happen in the future. Now, the problem with that is that that is not faith in God. If you knew how things were going to turn out and you then made your decision based on a known outcome prior to launch, then your faith is in the known outcome. It is not in God Almighty. Christians don't operate that way. We do our due diligence. We take advice from others. We launch out in faith, but the faith is in God. The thing that pulled Elijah through was not knowing how it was going to end, 
but knowing the one who was in control of everything. The thing that pulled Christ through was not knowing how it was going to end, but knowing him, God, who was orchestrating all things. Noah believed God. His faith was in God, not in knowing or understanding how all things were going to end. It reminds me of Peter when he was walking on the water in Matthew chapter 14. He stepped out on the water not knowing how it was going to end for him, but he was moving in the right general direction. He was moving toward God. He did not know how it was. I mean, he assumed it was going to end well, And it did end well for Peter. He was back on the boat safely worshiping God. Jesus was on the boat with him and them, and it was a wonderful experience. But between him getting off the boat and getting back in the boat, uh, there was part of a horrendous experience for Peter. If the sinking in the water was the end point, and that's where many of us get stuck. We're at the place where we're sinking in the water, and we act as though that is the end of the story, that that is the end point. It was not the end point. It was the process. And so if you are in a place where you are stuck in an undesirable spot in your life, please understand that's not an end point. God is working his plan. Sometimes our first response of not getting what we hoped is anger or disappointment. I'm not saying that in a condemning way or judgmental way, honestly, because I have done the same thing. I've made those decisions that I thought was right, and I've said it this way. God, I did all this for you. And this is how it turned out for me. And I was saying it in such a way that my situation at that moment was the end point, and I could not see that God was working through. He was working out a plan in my life. I was not fully thinking through all of God's intentions. If it's an undesirable book, you can stop reading it and move on to the next thing. If it's a lousy spouse, undesirable spouse, well, then the complication factor obviously is exponential. And when that kind of heat turns up in your life and your mind becomes unclear, let me give you a piece of counseling advice. When you are sinking down in the water and the heat is as high as it can possibly go and your mind is as muddled as it possibly can be, Here's your counseling tip. You must ride on the shoulders of others while continuing to take any rogue thought captive that shames the name of God. Because the temptation for us when we find ourselves in these desperate states, our minds are muddled. We isolate, pull away from others, and then our thoughts begin to take us captive. God's name is shamed, and the very person who can help us is not enabled to help us because of our pride. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so when the heat is turned up and you're sinking in the water, your mind is unclear, You ride on the shoulders of others, and that's what Peter said. Lord, save me. He cried out for the one in front of him to rescue him. 
And then he took those rogue thoughts captive because he didn't want to bring shame to the name of God. No matter what is happening to you, God is working his plan. And I want to say that loudly and clearly, especially for many folks who are on our forums right now, because you're at that spot. You've made the decision, whatever it was, and now you're in an undesired outcome, and you can think of it as an end point. And I want to say as loudly and clearly as I possibly can, no matter what is happening to you, God is working his plan. And though it might take longer to get to a better place, you must not lose hope. My ordeal that began in my life, it began on April the 8th, 1988, and it took nearly 10 years. It's when my wife left and I lost my children and to work through that. Not just working through that, but I was in a legalistic, fundamental Baptist culture as well that complicated the issues uh, in tremendous ways. It just made it almost impossibly hard uh, to live out my faith in that environment. It felt like an end point. But I was in my late 20s and early 30s at that time. That was not an end point. And now I look back on that time, 30 years later, God was working a plan. And now, from this perspective, from this vantage point, I see it quite clearly. But it wasn't my timeline. It was the Lord's timeline. And that is the problem that a lot of us struggle with. We want a timeline that says something like this. I'm making a decision. Here's the outcome. I am happy. I don't know. I think that's rarely God's timeline with these significant things that he is working in our lives. The timeline usually is a lot longer than that, and we have to understand it. I see it now. I see that he was right, and I was wrong. The title of this episode is, episode 364, is How Can You Know Your Decisions Won't Disappoint You? Well, one you can't know ultimately because we're not omniscient. Two, when you find yourself in that disappointment after you've made your decision, please understand that is not the end point. Number three, we make our plans. God orders our steps. Therefore, God is still working in your life. Now, what that should do is that should give you faith, faith in God, because if you keep looking at the end point where you're sitting right now, then your faith will just get smaller and smaller and smaller because there's no salvation in a disappointing situation. Salvation comes from the Lord. And just like Peter, as he was sinking in the water, it got worse the more he looked at his present circumstance the clouds, the wind, the waves, and the fact that he was sinking. But once he put his eyes on the Lord, then salvation came. And so if you're sitting in that disappointing spot now, true faith is eyeballing God, not eyeballing your circumstances. And so I have a call to action here, uh, three questions that I want you to think about. These would be good reflective questions. It would also be great to talk about in a small group context, or with another friend. You can do life over coffee with a friend, or life over tea for that matter. 
but life over something with a friend. And you can use these questions to get the conversation going. Number one, describe when you made a decision based on the best information you could gather, including recommendations, but the result was not desirable. How did you respond? Number two, perhaps it would help to divide the degree of difficulty. If it were a bad book or a bad movie, I imagine you moved on. But what about a more vital decision? Were you able to gain sovereign clarity which balanced your thinking and life? Follow-up question, what does it mean to gain sovereign clarity when the decision and the outcome are not to your liking? Number three, why is it better to try to gain God's thoughts on a matter first than looking at the circumstance that is not going the way that you had hoped. And so if you find yourself in a a troubling situation and you did everything that you knew to do that was right and you're struggling with it, if we can help you, please let us know. Reach out to our ministry. And I want to take just a few seconds to let you all know about our fall campaign. The fall campaign with all nonprofit organizations, as we are, uh, is the biggest time of the year as far as giving is concerned. The majority of our income that we need to survive for a year happens uh, during the fall season. And so if you're able to contribute uh, to our ministry, we are a nonprofit, again, an MPO, 501c3. Uh, I would love for you to jump on our donor page and make some kind of donation. If you want to uh, talk to us personally, please do that. Uh, Reach out to us, and we would love to chat. Thanks so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.